It's just great. Let's open our Bibles today to the book of Mark, please. Chapter number 5. Mark chapter 5 and verse 25. And while you're turning and finding that verse, where we will start reading in just a moment, I want to say this is part 3 of our teaching from desperation to deliverance. Part 3, about the story of the woman in Mark 5, as we call her so many times, the woman with the issue of blood. We never find out her name. When we get to heaven, we're going to find out what her name is. Amen? And so maybe, she, maybe she's tired of people calling her, oh, you're the woman with the issue of blood. No, I'm, you know, Miriam or whatever her name would have been. But uh, John chapter 21, 25, and you don't have to turn here, but John chapter 21, verse 25, is where John said that if all the things that Jesus did, all, you know, if they were written down, he supposed that the world couldn't contain the books. And so when there's only about 19 or 20 different cases, distinct cases of healings in the four Gospels, and I know it might seem like there are more, but some writers record it, you know, and some of them recorded more than one Gospel, of course, and so it seems like there's more, but there's only about 19 or 20 or so, something like that, and that's not many. Because you can read about multitudes of people that came to Jesus and there were multitudes healed and so we're sure that all kinds of diseases and just about everything you can imagine was healed and people got miracles from Jesus and so the ones that are recorded must be really important they must really have some things in them that we need to know one of the greatest things that I've done in recent years was something that I did this spring as I went through the four gospels And I went through reading the Amplified Bible, and I went through with a notepad, and I just began to read through them, and especially taking notice to the healings. And it's just amazing what you can learn if you just take some time, don't get in a hurry, you're not trying to do it, you know, just to get it over with, but you really take time to meditate and put yourself into that story and just kind of imagine, that's part of meditation, to, to, to imagine yourself there and what it must have been like and it's amazing what you can learn and um, so in this particular case I would encourage you to do the same with these verses verses 25 through 34 and we'll read them now if you will look at your Bible or the screen whatever you want to uh, look at and let's hear the word of the Lord this morning and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians And had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and touched his garment. For she said, if if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that it... (coughs) (coughs) Excuse me. Looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, thank you, sir. 
That's amazing. I'm immediately better. I haven't even drunk it. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, my power and my holiness. Daughter, your family pedigree. No, he said, Daughter, thy faith. Or we might say, Your faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Father, open this word to us today, I pray. May we see it from your perspective. The things you want us to see today, we know there's so much in this story that we cannot finish everything that there is about it today. I don't yet know everything, Lord, so show us, help us. Give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation to understand what you want to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We thank you, Lord. This woman had been sick for 12 years, and in the process of seeing doctors, she had went broke. I would ascertain from that that she must have started out pretty wealthy. I know at least today it don't take 12 years to go broke at, at, uh, at medical stuff. Uh, so she was unclean, ceremonial, by the law of Moses. She was not supposed to be in crowds. People weren't even supposed to touch her, and she wasn't supposed to touch anyone. So she was in a really bad condition. She was broke. She was incurable. It would seem she was terminal. And also she was isolated from people. And some of you know what that's like to be even quarantined a few days or whatever. Maybe that happened to you. <clears throat> they sent you home. You couldn't go to work. You couldn't be around anybody and all that kind of stuff. You've been there. Can you imagine for 12 years living this way? And with each passing year, your net worth decreases and decreases and decreases. So finally, you're broke. There is probably no better picture of desperation in the Bible than this. I mean, there's some probably as, as, as much so. Uh, but for her personally, she was desperate. Let's put it that way at least. She was no better, only worse. But she heard of Jesus. Aren't you glad there's a way out? Now, I want to point out something the Holy Spirit's been talking to me about. It says there was a certain woman... And, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a medical person, you know that. But I think it's safe to say, even as a layman, that in all of that nation in that day, she was not the only woman who was having this problem. She would not have been the only woman who would have had what we call sometimes female issues or whatever. That would not, she would not have been the only one. But isn't it amazing that she's the only one on that day that got healed? Who made that choice? She did. You see, Jesus didn't even know who she was until she appeared. Now you say, well, but he was God manifest in the flesh. Yes, he was, but read Philippians 2, 5. He laid aside his glory and majesty that he had known in heaven to become a man. And so, yes, he was anointed, and yes, he was full of the Spirit, and yes, he had the Spirit without measure, and yes, he knew all kinds of things because of supernatural revelation, but we can tell from reading this story on this day that he did not know this woman, evidently, he did not know she was coming. 
Didn't know what she wanted. Didn't know what she needed. And after she received, he didn't know which in the crowd, which woman it was that had done it. So that tells me that I can get anything I need from God because guess what? He really does know who I am. And he knows when I'm coming. Because he's no longer in an earthly body limited by, by flesh and bone. He's no longer, longer limited as he was on the earth. But back into his place of glory, he sees all, knows all, and the Holy Spirit is omnipresent everywhere. And so therefore, I can be that certain guy. You can be that certain guy. You can be that certain woman. You can be the one that touches the power of God and receives your miracle today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so we have learned that she first heard, and that was not her initiative. That was just something that evidently came to her. Somebody else shared with her the gospels uh, of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. Somebody else told her about the miracles. Somebody else told her about his healing ministry. And so she heard. Just like all of us, we heard. We heard the gospel. We've heard other things from the word. And the more you hear, the more your faith builds. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It doesn't come by praying for it. It doesn't come by fasting for it. And I know I've said a lot of these things over and over, but we really need to get this in our spirit. There's only one way your faith will grow. There's only one way your faith will be fed. And there's only one f- way that you're going to have an increase in your faith is to hear the word of God. To hear the word of God. And so it's important to hear it, but that's not sufficient. It's essential, but not sufficient. Because once we hear, we have to choose to act on it. And that choice of acting is a signal of believing, that we are a believer. We choose to believe. You all know people that uh, if they say something, or maybe somebody tells you something that a certain person said, and maybe you've even used this phrase, probably most all of us have, and you've answered back, I don't believe it. Or maybe you say this, I don't believe a word of it. Why? Because you know who said it. And what did you just do? You chose not to believe. Well, when God speaks, if you're smart, you're going to choose to believe what he said. Amen? There are two kinds of unbelief that we see in the word of God. Two kinds. One is the ignorance of the truth of the Word of God. That's The cure for that is Romans 10, 17. That's the way this thing gets cured, is because we hear. So like Miss Valerie testified this morning, I thought that was so good, she had to shut off some other things. It's not that the other things were sinful. It's not that she was doing something wrong. It's just that something else was of a greater priority. If she was going to live and not die, she had to shut out everything that didn't feed her faith. And there are times in all of our lives when we're in a battle like that. Maybe it's not life and death, but it's serious and it's, it's, it's something that we can't fix. It's something we cannot do for ourselves. You can't buy the, the thing you need. You can't fix it on your own, but therefore you're going to have to trust God to get it done. And so we cannot afford not to hear the word of God. And so there is an aspect of unbelief that is because we just don't know. 
And then there's an aspect of unbelief that is what we find in the book of Hebrews that talks about Israel not entering into the promised land, the first generation, because they were not fully persuaded. And so I don't know if it's an official word or not. If you type it into your device, it may, it may turn red or whatever and say that that's not a word. I don't know, but it's still a good word for what we're talking about. And that is unpersuadableness. You see, there is the ignorance of the word that causes us not to believe because we don't know. Faith begins where the will of God is known. And then there is the, the lack of faith or there is the unbelief that is because of a hardened heart. We know the truth, but we refuse to fully believe. Now, let me, let me say, explain what I mean by that. But you don't want to miss this point. You can believe and assent that it's true. But you won't act on it. If I hadn't eaten for three weeks and I was very hungry and maybe, you know, I'd done some stuff and got my blood chemistry out of whack or whatever, my blood sugar out of whack, whatever would happen. And, and all I would need would be a little meal. And maybe even a good doctor would tell me, well, you just need to eat some food. And here it is. Got it on a plate. And I could say, well, I believe the doctor's honest. I believe he's competent. I believe he knows what he's doing. I believe if I eat that food, I'll be okay. But until I eat it, I'm going to be sick. You see, you can believe something from the standpoint of knowing what you believe as far as you, you, you assent to it mentally, and you can know it's true. But what you refuse to act on is not going to help you. And so that's the second kind of unbelief, and really the second kind's worse because it reflects a hardened heart. It reflects that a person has heard truth, they've toyed with it, they've went back and forth on it perhaps, and they just decided well, it's not really that important. I don't need to do that. That might be for somebody else. Now, maybe Miss Valerie had to do that, but, you know, I'm just going to believe God's going to do it in his own good time and in his own good way. When he gets ready, that's when it's going to happen. You better start shopping funeral homes and grave plots. We, we have some for sale, by the way, here <laughs> on special to the end of the year. But... Uh, you might as well get ready because if that's your attitude, you're dying. You're going to need one. This is important. And you might say, well, I'm not there. I'm young. I'm healthy. I feel really good. I can, you know, I feel like I could, uh, as we used to say in the mountains long ago, old folks would say, go bear hunting with a switch. You know, don't, don't, even, don't even need a gun. You may feel that way. But sooner or later, sooner or later, you're going to need the touch of God. You say, well, I'm a person of faith, and, 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 and you know, I thought you pro teach faith and you teach healing. Yes, we do. That's why I'm teaching you this. Because why would I need to teach healing, and why would I even need to teach faith if just getting saved meant you'll never have any trouble? If just getting saved meant that you would never be physically attacked, that you would never have a challenge, well, then all I need to do is get you saved, and you're home free. And how many of you know that's not how this works? 
The devil hated that you got saved. He can't do anything about that. He couldn't stop you and he can't keep it from you now. But he will then try to come in another way and do an end run around you some way. And, and now, that it, now that you're going to heaven, he would like to put you in the back bedroom somewhere, depressed, sick, bound some kind of way so you can never fulfill the purpose of God. He would like to torment you until you get so angry with God that you step away from the things of God, walk away from the things of God. And multitudes of people are in that condition today simply because they've never fed their faith enough to know how it works and used their faith enough so that they could become proficient at it. So that's what we're talking about here. That's why it's so important to go back and study these kinds of accounts in the Word of God. What did she do? What was her condition? How did she get free? And what was Jesus' response? And how did this thing work? So she heard, and then she took action by first. The first action of faith is speaking. Remember last week we went to Romans 10. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth... And uh, I don't know if I said it then or not, but I'll say it again today if, if so. But faith has to be in two places at once for it to work. It's got to be in your heart and it's got to be in your mouth. And I remember saying that that's the greatest challenge probably of my ministry over all these years is to get people to change their mouth. Amen. It's just I don't know why this seems so difficult. Well, one reason I would assume is because the devil knows how important it is. And he really tries to make it hard. And he'll try to make you uh, think that you're being foolish. He'll try to make you think that somebody else may hear you say something. And, you know, and all kinds of stuff that he'll try to tell you to discourage you from speaking your faith. But this is an absolute must. Notice what it says here. That when she had heard of Jesus, verse 27, came in the press behind. And let me say something about that. The press behind. That means there were a lot of people and it was hard for her to get there. It was difficult. You know, today people, bless their hearts, they have such difficulty getting to the presence of the Lord, in a t into the, the uh, corporate presence of the Lord, a church service. You know, there are people not here today probably because it rained. <laughs> now, if they've, got a, if they've got an appointment in the morning at 8 o'clock with a doctor, they won't miss that. If it's pouring, they won't miss that. Some people just won't press. They won't press. Those of you who are basketball fans, you know what a full court press is. I mean, this, you know, all hands on deck, we're pouring this on. We are desperately working to stop our opponent from scoring. Well, sometimes you've got to go into the press mode and you've got to show the devil, I'm not backing down. You can howl, you can holler, you can send anybody you want to my way to say whatever they say, and you can try to do whatever you want to do, and my body may scream and yell, and it may feel this way, it may look that way, whatever, but it's all going to have to align with what God said. Because it shall be, like Paul said to those folks on the ship when the storm was on, he said, it shall be even as it was told me. How, do you, how could you say that unless you know what was told you? And where do you get told? In the Bible, the Word of God. So I just go to all those healing scriptures. You know, uh, we have a, a card out there, a bunch of those healing scriptures. And, um, you know, I've went over those so many times over the years that I have that whole card memorized. I could start right here and go all the way through to the end. It's a part of me. So that has not kept me from ever having uh, a, a temptation 
That's, never, that's not kept me from ever having a battle, but it has brought me victory in every situation. Hallelujah. That's one reason I'm not looking for a rocking chair. I did like George Jones, by the way. But uh, I'm not looking for a rocking chair. I'm looking to live my life out fully and completely and finish my course. With long life, Psalm 91.16 says, Will I satisfy him and show him my salvation? I'm not satisfied yet. Whenever I do go, you'll know I got satisfied. And that ain't today. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so she came in the press behind and touched his garment. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on, if not today, next week, whatever. Uh, I had these notes up here, and I, I have a funny filing system that doesn't make any sense to anybody else. But I knew that someday I'd want to look back at these notes. And so the first thing I put on the top was woman's healing. And then the title I'm using, you know, you got to have a title. You got to have a title if you're what, what preacher doesn't have a title. From desperation to deliverance. <laughs> so as I open, I look at my notes up here one day, and uh, Miss Cassandra, she's now over, I think, in the nursery working. But she looked over and she said, "Woman's healing." And so she's been after me all these weeks. When am I going to get to the men's healing? <laughs> and of course, it just takes a lot longer to straighten out women than it does men. You know that. <laughs> That was a really bad joke. I don't know if the laughter was worth what's coming later, but anyway, <laughs> praise the Lord. But, uh, but the truth is, you have, to, you have to know that there are two things going on. Number one, she is declaring her faith and moving toward Jesus, and that she also makes a connection. A touch, a touch. Notice verse 28, for she said, and that is a continuous present tense verb in the Greek. We don't have really just a, a, the, the exact counterpart to that in English. So we would say she kept saying or kept on saying. But in the Greek, it's, it was, that's what it means, continually. So if you were around her house, if you were around her on the journey as she was walking to get to Jesus, you would have heard her say this. Now, that press issue is important because, as I said earlier, she was ceremonially unclean, and so she was not supposed to be out in a crowd. She wasn't supposed to touch people. So for her to get into a press, a throng, a crowd of people, you know, if you've ever been to some big event, a concert or a ball game or something, and and they open the doors and everybody's trying to get in and get their seats, you know what that's like. Well, that's what was happening. Can you imagine uh, a church service that people are standing outside waiting to get in, and when the doors are open, they run to get to the front? We're going to live and see that. And we're going to see that. She was pressing through that kind of a crowd, breaking the law, if you will. And what makes that even more uh, significant is Jairus which is the, the, the first part and the last part of this story because that's where Jesus was going to his house to heal his daughter. He was the leader, ruler of the synagogue, and he was the one that would have enforced the law against her for being out there and touching people and being in the crowd. So what she did that day was she went for broke. 
She threw caution to the wind. Whatever cliche you want to use, she just decided it's now or never. I'm desperate and I need deliverance. You might be there today. I don't know. You're looking there all respectable, cleaned up, smelling good, looking good. And we may not realize what you're, what you're going through. It, it, it may be that, that nobody knows but God where you are this morning. I can tell you that no matter how desperate you are, there's deliverance for you in Jesus Christ. So we talked last week about how that she chose to start and then continually say or speak her faith. We talked about the spirit of faith, 2 Corinthians 4 and 13. We talked about her confessing the word and returning it back to God, I think a couple of weeks ago. We just, we, we cover that quite a lot. And we closed last week by saying that it's important for us. I think it's important. You can do what you want about this. But I would encourage you to make you an impossibility list and then laugh over it every day. Make an impossibility list. Laugh over it every day. Maybe it's something to do with your physical condition. Maybe it's something to do financially. Maybe you're laughing over your mortgage. Don't cry over it. Don't gripe over it. Laugh over it. Pay it off. Amen? Whatever your situation, whatever looks impossible. And I would say don't, look, don't, don't make a 20-thing list or you'll be laughing all day, but, but that's maybe okay. But I'm talking about those two, three, four, no more than five things that absolutely you don't know how it's going to happen. It looks totally impossible. And I would encourage you to start laughing at it. This morning before daylight, I was up, I was drinking coffee, and I was laughing at my impossibility list. Then I got up and danced around. I know you'd like to have a video of that, but I'm not going to share that with you. Because there is nothing impossible with God. Hallelujah. All things. Everybody say all things. Say that's my things. Are possible. To him that believes, I'm a believer. Oh, let's praise the Lord. Ha, 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 ha
and laugh over it. You see, if you keep a short list, then you won't even have to. You won't have to uh, read it. You just you'll, it'll come down one, two, three, four, and just laugh over it. Hallelujah! Talk to it every day. Amen. It's not the mountain you talk about that gets moved. It's the mountain you speak to. It's not the mountain you talk about. And I know I'm going to maybe, I might hurt somebody's feelings. And I think sometimes I've needed my feelings hurt. I've needed a good slap in the face, metaphorically, so that I could get my my act together, so I could get my thinking straight. (laughs) Amen. But, you know, the truth is there's probably nobody that's interested in your symptoms anyway. There's really nobody wants to hear all that. We, we, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to hear every ache and pain I've ever had. You don't want to hear all the details of everything I've went through in my life. And, and so let's just, let's just have a, let's make a compact. Let's make a covenant today. Let's just stop all of that. I won't tell you about mine if you don't tell me about yours. I will hear your praise. I will listen to your confession. I will give you mine, and we'll praise together, and we'll walk in the blessing of God together. Hallelujah! If what you have been doing has brought you to where you are, if you don't like where you are, then you're going to have to change what you've been doing for the future to be different. If the mountain is going to move, you're going to have to engage your mouth. You know, when, uh, when I'm driving home, I can see some mountains. Most, most of us can. As you're driving, if you're going west, you're going you're gonna to see mountains. And, of course, I was raised in, in, uh, in the Appalachian Mountains. I love the mountains, and I think they're beautiful. I just don't like to drive in them when there's six inches of snow on them, but, uh, but, but I think they're beautiful. And uh, so it's a, it's, it's a great scenery. So think about this for a minute. If... If your scenery right now is a mountain, and we're not talking about a beautiful mountain that you go drive and winding up a parkway to and look at leaves and the little deer and all that stuff, you know. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a mountain of adversity. We're talking about a mountain of sickness. We're talking about a mountain of pain. We're talking about a mountain of debt. We're talking about bad stuff. The only way that scenery is going to change is for your mouth to change. And you start talking to it. You see, when God looked down upon the earth before it was put into a perfected form for man to dwell in it, when darkness was upon the face of the deep, God did not look down and say, man, it's really dark. Do you see that, Jesus? Man, this is bad. Can you imagine? I mean, that's, but isn't that what people do? You know, oh my. You know, people do that sometimes. They just go through the day and every few minutes they're groaning. They're moaning. Oh, Lord. You know, I wanted to say something about, oh, Lord. Jesus is Lord. And it's good to call upon him. But don't do that, oh, Lord. That's not faith. And that's not praise. That's a complaint with Jesus hooked on it. He would rather not be drug into that. He would rather not be a part of your complaint. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Do you, are you really praying in faith or are you just griping? And while we're here, we'll just sweep the floor a little more. It's a habit. 
It's just a habit. Break it. Some of you quit smoking. Some of you quit drinking. Some of you need to. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you know what you did? You do the same thing with all this worry business and all this complaint business. You just stop. The greater one's in you. you got the power to do it. And you may mess up a few times. You'll slip up a few times. There's mercy and grace. But if you're determined to change what you're doing and saying, God will help you get it right. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I've lost where it was. Praise the Lord. <laughs> But you've got to change. If you want the scenery to change, I said, God, looking over the face of the deep. I don't know if I have to stand out here when I do that, but anyway, I'm looking down. Um, he didn't say what he saw, he said what he wanted. In the midst of darkness, he said, in Hebrew, it's two words for us translated to English light be. The sun started shining and it's never stopped. Light began to expand. At its speed, a minimum of 186,000 miles per second, it's never stopped. The universe began to expand in the speed, at the speed of light in every direction, and it's never stopped. Because he still upholds all things by the word. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, I think it is, or chapter, uh, verse 4, by the word of his power. And so what did God do when he wanted a change of scenery? He said what he wanted to see. So saying precedes seeing. That's why I have to take, it looks like now, two weeks to really focus on this, this thing. I need to hear this. Because here's the thing that happens. You can get so busy with life and you can think you know things and, and really you do. They're back there. They're on file. But that's just like, you know, those of you who have a computer, uh, you know, well, the sun's going down. Uh, you know, the, you have a computer. Well, you know, you can't see everything at one time. You, 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 you might can split the screen, and you may split it in many ways, but still you're, you can only focus on one little square at a time, one screen at a time, you might say. And, and so we, we have to keep ourselves in a place where we are focusing on what God said and seeing what God said. That is the image we have. That's the picture we have. That's what we're going for. That's what we're talking about. And that's what we're planning for. So if you want a change of scenery, you're going to have to cha have a change in sound. Now, part of that is meditation. Now, I know that the Eastern cults and the Eastern world have taken the principle and the process of meditation... And have twisted and perverted it in many cases. Because meditation has always been a part of man's makeup. As far, I mean, let me say it this way. Uh, the, the potential for meditation has always been a part of man's makeup. Man was created to be able to do this. Meditation means to ponder, to think deeply. It means to put yourself into a situation mentally and emotionally. And to... To be able to um, uh, develop images on the inside of those things that you meditate on. This principle is so powerful that God told Joshua in Joshua 1.8. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. 
but you will meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Notice, kind of like the woman in Mark 5. She chose, she said, she went, she did, she got. God told Joshua, basically, you choose, you think, you say, you, you know, and you have. You'll make your way prosperous, and you'll have good success. Psalm chapter 1, verse 2, very beginning of the book of Psalms, blessed is the man. Amen. And, and it goes on to say that he, in his law, he does meditate day and night. So to meditate involves muttering. That's what I was doing this morning because I was, I was laughing and I was speaking and all of that. And I was in one end of the house. Glenn was in another end of the house and she, she never even heard me. Did you? No. But it's not necessary for her to hear me meditate. I need to hear me. And God wants to hear me. And so therefore, faith gets released. Meditation is saying and seeing. Remember, we're talking about changing the scenery. Sight, I mean sound preceding what you see. So meditation is saying and seeing. Or another way to say it, meditation is voice and imagination. I like to say it this way. What do you see when you close your eyes? Because that's where you're heading. That's where you're heading. Amen. Now I want to close with this. And uh, I think I'm going to get you all out of here a little early today. I understand we have food. I am hungry. But anyway. Now I want to obey God. But, but I know that uh, we don't have to preach all day. But I want to, I want to set this up for... What may be next week the last part of this series. I don't know. I, I better not say that. We'll get there when we get there. But anyway, the next thing is this woman took further action. She was saying, obviously in her own mind, she was seeing the reality of healing as a possibility and something she could have. But faith is an act. Look at your neighbor and say that to them. Would you do that? Faith is an act. Faith is not a concept. Faith is not a thought. Faith is an act. Mark eleven twenty two. One of the uh, uh, translations or paraphrases from that verse is, "Lay hold on God's faithfulness." You know, the King James says, "Have faith in God," and it could also be translated, "Have the faith of God." But what that really means is laying hold on the faithfulness of God. Because this whole thing, this whole thing of faith rests upon the integrity of God and His Word. If His Word's no good, He's no good. If His Word's not true, He's a liar. On the other hand, if His Word is true, then I'm in for blessings. I'm in for some good things. So, so what would I do if I believe that? Let's, you know, I'm using this silly example about you know, we're going to eat after at, the, at the, uh, the shower, the wedding shower. And by the way, we really do congratulate Garrison and Hannah. They're wonderful children. I mean, I know they're not children, children, but to me they're children. And I remember when both of them were just little kids. 
And so it's wonderful to see people grow up in the house of the Lord, serve the Lord, get married, have 12 kids, and <laughs> fill, up a whole, fill up a whole row. Praise the Lord. I'm all about church growth, all about church growth. <laughs> but um, um, I lost my place again. <laughs> Faith is an act. Faith is an act. And so, therefore, it's not just a concept. It's not just a thought. It's something that, that we act on. So one of the great ways you know you're believing, and one of the great ways that anybody else would know what you're believing, is the action that you take. She couldn't just sit home and say, well, if it's the Lord's will or when he's ready, it'll happen. She had to go for it. She had to go for it. Now, I know there were no TVs. There, were no, there was no internet. There were no radios and all of that when Jesus walked the earth. So I know that there's the argument that the only way to touch Jesus was to actually go where he was. And I know it's a blessing. That's why we have invested and will continue to invest. And it's not cheap, by the way, to even do no more than we do as far as preparation and all the stuff that's necessary to do live streams and recordings and all that. And so we want to do it. We'll keep on doing it as long as we can. It's a blessing. And I know there are people out there behind the other side of that camera in other states and different places. And some of you support this ministry and you watch faithfully. And I want you to know I'm very grateful. I'm glad that you are with us. But I'm talking about people that can get to where the power is flowing and just choose not to. One of the first things that people sometimes need to do to act on the word is just go where the power is. Maybe grandma wouldn't have approved, but maybe she didn't know what you know. I'm not saying she wasn't smart. I'm just saying maybe she had never heard. Maybe she had never experienced. There may be other people that you love dearly and you've grown close to and, and, and they're a part of your life. And that doesn't mean they don't need to be a part of your life in some way. But you cannot afford not to touch the power of God. You cannot afford not to be where his power is moving and flowing. You know, if this church, if after 32 years of living in central Virginia, if this church was dead, I'd leave. <laughs> Amen. I've had all the dead meetings I want to be in. I went to all the dead services I want to go to. I've heard all the boring stuff that I ever want to hear. I am hungry for a move of God. Hallelujah. 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 So faith is an act. Acting on the word, this woman moved and went where Jesus, the anointed one, was. She made the time, and she took the action to go where God's power was flowing. She moved to touch the power of God. And next time, we want to talk about that and how that works and how that happened. In Hebrews 6, 2, how that that. The laying on of hands is so important. Yes, ma'am.